This is an Onomi podcast. Every time you come into a new company or a new team, you have to negotiate. You have to negotiate for more money into your base pay, more cash into your overall total compensation. You absolutely can go from where you are now to making the salary that you want to make. And now is one of the probably best times ever to aggressively grow your salary by leveling up and upskilling and job hopping. What's going on, 9 to 5 hotties? Welcome back to another episode of the 9 to Fly podcast. I am your host, Sania Elamin of Flynance, and I have a very special episode for you today. Today, we are diving into all of the amazing questions that you, my listeners and viewers, have had. And this is a special episode where we are answering your questions live on the Hottie Hotline. Before I get into all of your amazing questions, be sure to follow us across Instagram, TikTok, and of course, subscribe to us on YouTube and your favorite streaming platforms. So there are a lot of questions that I received from you. Thank you to so many of you who sent in amazing questions around navigating your jobs, career navigation, how to apply for jobs, and even just more questions about my story. So I've tried my best to organize these questions so that you can follow along as you're listening And listen for either your question or questions that might relate to something that's going on in your life, money, or in career. So the chapters that I have for you in today's episode, we are going to talk mostly about job interviewing and general career navigation. Those were a lot of the questions that I received. So let's dive on into the first question. This viewer asks, Sunia, how would you handle this situation? I have a job opera and started to interview for another job that I'm really excited for. However, the interview process is taking a while and hit a road bump with another unforeseen delay, thus extending out the interview process for another two weeks. At this time, I accepted the job offer because there was no guarantee that I would get this other job, and I'm in between jobs right now. How would you handle this? Would you continue to interview? And if so, if offered the role, how would you handle separating from the new role that just started? It's stressing me out because I hate burning bridges. This is a really great question. So I think in this situation, if you are interviewing and have multiple interviews lined up and one is taking a lot longer than the other, I would say in the case of this hottie, it sounds like she really can't afford to wait for that other job to materialize, right? And she made a good point in her question. What if the other job doesn't even come to fruition? What if she doesn't even get that other offer that she's really excited about? So I would say, based on her situation, I think that she's doing the right thing. She accepted the job offer that was presented to her, and she can continue to interview for the other job that has not materialized yet. Now, in a world where she gets the second offer, right now she has leveraging power. Now she can either leverage the fact that, hey, I have another offer on the table that pays me X, to hopefully be able to negotiate more in this new offer. But also, she could very well step away from the job that she just accepted to accept another job. I think we have to get out of our heads this idea that just because you accepted a job, you have to take it and work and stay at that job for months or a year at a time. If another offer comes around that is more suitable for the career you want, offers you more money, better benefits, you're advocating for yourself by taking the job that feels best for you. And you don't have to think of it as burning bridges, right? You are so new to the company, so new to the team that you haven't actually, it's not as if that you are, you know, doing anything wrong, right? So I don't think that you should think about burning bridges. You haven't actually built a bridge, right? You just started a job. So I think it's very normal to say, hey, I had different expectations as part of the job interview process. And now there's another offer 
on the table that I want to pursue. You got to do what's best for you in your career and advocate for yourself, but you shouldn't see it as burning bridges. People leave jobs all the time and you won't be looked at negatively because you did what was best for you in your career. So I hope that helps. Thank you so much for that question. Okay, I got another question for you related to job interviewing. And I think that you're gonna really like this one. Check this question out. I've run into a predicament where the job I'm interviewing for is potentially good with better pay. However, I found out from my references that the HR staff was rude to them and left them waiting for their scheduled call. I'm pretty flabbergasted because I've already invested so much time into the interview process. When I searched, it seemed like others hadn't really run into this issue. Is this just a one-off or is this simply a red flag to spot from a mile away? I'm in no rush to move, but it's just disappointing after a long interview process. Woo, this is a good question. So in this situation, this hottie is dealing with, they're interviewing for a job that they like, but they're not really desperate to leave. And it sounds like there may be some things happening with the HR staff that kind of left a bad taste in the mouth of their references. Here's the thing. I, I, I think that anytime you interact with HR or recruiters, they really should be seen as the first line of defense and really one of the best ways to gauge a company culture from the outside looking in. If people in HR who are talking to external candidates or talking to references of external candidates are already showing that they're rude, are already showing that they don't care, they don't respect your time, that may be a sign that there are other things part of that company culture that may not be aligned with maybe the culture that you want or would thrive in. I definitely think that it's a red flag if folks from HR aren't doing their absolute best to make candidates feel supported in an interview process. And if the company is going out of their way to ask you as a candidate to offer references and then HR treats them poorly and then doesn't respect their time in the interview process, it really starts to shed a light on what might be going on internally. So I think your intuition is right. If you're already feeling like it's a red flag, listen to that voice. And it sounds like in this situation, you probably don't need to continue to pursue this job. It sounds like it could be potentially a better opportunity. But I think at the end of the day, no amount of money is going to be more important than finding the right cultural fit. So I would say this might be a red flag. You could definitely continue on with the interview process and watch out for other instances. But all in all, I would definitely say trust that voice that's telling you that something feels off and move accordingly. Thank you so much for this question. All right, so we just heard two really great questions around job interviewing. Let's dive into some questions around career navigation. I got a ton of questions from hotties like you who have specific questions around what to do in their career. So let's hear what some of these questions are. Here's the first question. Hey, Sania, I have over 15 years of experience working in the pharmaceutical industry. I want to move into a managerial role, but have no experience managing people. When asked if I've ever managed a team, I answer no. How should I answer this question? Now, thank you so much for this question. Here's the thing. When you've been working, especially when you start to get past the mid-level of your career, right? You have seven or more years of experience. And in this case, this person has over 15 years of experience, but has never managed a team. It can sometimes be an uphill battle in terms of proving to other recruiters that you can come in and successfully direct people. I would say the way that you're answering the question is truthful, right? You don't have that management experience. And I don't necessarily think that there's a way to finesse it. 
as I read your question, it sounds like there actually is an opportunity for you to seek out other opportunities to get that people management experience. So you didn't share with me what specifically you do in the pharmaceutical industry, but I bet that you could step in and potentially lead a volunteer board, lead a nonprofit organization. Think about what you can do outside of your nine to five to get that managerial experience, like directing or coordinating a team, you know, leading a volunteer board. Maybe you can get involved with a community organization where you can lead a small committee, right? I think for you, it is going to be important to probably branch out of that nine to five and try to get that managerial experience elsewhere. It doesn't have to always be in a traditional nine to five, but if you can say, hey, I actually have a leadership role on a board or on a nonprofit and hear of what we've been able to do in a short amount of time, I think that is transferable experience that you can then bring to your interview process and share. Yes, actually, I do have this managerial experience in these ways and here have been the outcomes. So that would be my advice to you. I don't think that there's a way to finesse your way around not having experience that you're directly being asked about. But I will say that maybe this is a sign that it's worth inspecting and looking into other ways that you can get this experience so that you can feel more confident when you go through interviews. I hope that helps. All right, let's move on to the next question. Hey, Sunia, I'm struggling as a teacher to pivot into tech. I don't really want to be directly in fields like instructional design since my favorite part about the classroom was interacting with my students and people at large rather than the actual planning. I'm currently in technical customer support and open to upskilling with a boot camp in UX, user design or UX research, QA, which is like quality assurance, or take product courses. But now I'm also worried about the tech layoffs. Do you think I should invest in upskilling despite the potential downturn? Or should I go back to the drawing board and seek out a different sector in tech? I love this question. And I want to shout out any struggling teachers who are trying to make the transition into other fields. I definitely understand how difficult it can be when the world tells you that as a classroom teacher, there's only one thing that you can do with your skills. Here's the thing. In general, I do not believe that you should stop learning or stop upskilling just because you're afraid of the economic downturn or layoffs that are happening in tech. The reality is tech is still going to be a booming industry. While yes, there are layoffs that are still happening and we've seen some of the biggest waves of layoffs in the tech industry in recent years, the reality is Many companies are still putting up record profits. They're still hiring. They are still growing their workforce, right? So I do not believe that you should stop upskilling just because you are afraid of potential outcomes, right? Upskilling can help you continue to just add skills to your arsenal, get placed into different companies and teams. And the reality is upskilling is never going to be looked at negatively, right? Being able to add more technical skills to your arsenal, being able to show how you've been able to be adaptable and pivot into different careers is never going to be seen as negative. So I would definitely say continue doing what you're doing. Though I will give you some advice. It sounds like you don't really know yet what that pathway into tech looks like. You've named three different, very distinct career paths by way of UX, QA, and product that really do have different disciplines. I would also recommend for you as you think about upskilling to start to also talk to more people, right? 
Talk to other transitioning teachers. Find people on LinkedIn who have the job titles that you're thinking about or who have gone through other of these boot camps that you're considering. I think you're also at a space now where it might be helpful to do more networking and learn from other people who have been in your position. I promise you, you are not the first or the last teacher to want to pivot out of the classroom into tech. And I think at this stage, as you are trying to consider a lot of different career paths, it'll be very helpful for you to lean into other people who can help guide you to that next step and that next opportunity. So I hope that helps. But in general, we're not stopping to upskill just because the fear of layoffs. We are going to continue to upskill to be continuous learners and to stand out as strong candidates. So I hope that helps. Thank you so much for that question. All right, I got two more questions that I want you to hear. So here's the next question. I am a certified medical assistant. I have an associate degree in health. I've been in the field for about 25 years. I've been working remotely from Florida for the past two years um, as a medical assistant doing triage. Unfortunately, they are doing away with the remote position. I'm currently looking for a medical position in the field and haven't found a position with a salary that is even close to what I'm currently making. What job titles can I look for in my search that could expand to more opportunities? I love this question because healthcare is also another industry where we have been taught this idea that in order to succeed in healthcare, you have to be in more of a clinical patient-facing role in order to make more money. Now, as I hear about your experience, given your background, all of the experience that you have, I would definitely say you should look into job titles like a healthcare project manager, healthcare consultant, and even in a health information technologist. Those are all fields where someone like you who has had lots of different experiences over your tenure in the medical field could really help support some of those work, whether that's doing health project management, healthcare consulting, or health IT. Those would be the job titles that I recommend that you start to research and start to talk to people who have those job titles and really understand where the opportunities and how they've been able to pivot out of a more clinical or patient-facing role into something that is probably more technical and could probably be done remotely. I definitely do not think that you have to give up your dreams of wanting to have a remote work setup, even with someone with a medical background. So those would be the job titles that I recommend for you. Give them a try, and I hope that it helps you feel more confident in the next steps that you can take in your career. Thank you so much for that question. All right, I got one more question for you for this episode, and I think that a lot of people will probably relate to this question. So here it goes. I have a goal salary, not necessarily a dream or goal job. My goal is to net $150,000 a year. When using calculators, not including retirement contributions, my gross number comes to about 207K. My question is, how can I meet this income goal within the next five years? In my current position, I serve as an operations assistant for a library sciences tech company. They operate like a nonprofit. My current salary was increased from 45K to 50K, after an internal audit determined that I wasn't being paid properly for the position. I've only been in the position for 16 months. I've received a bonus this year and just got a second 2% increase for the cost of living. The company is great. It's remote first. My schedule is completely flexible because I only work with a team, not clientele. I love it, but I definitely need to make more money at some point. My income will likely not come from this position alone. I've been looking for other positions remote that are paying well, but I'm not getting the callbacks. As far as my education, I have an associate's in business administration, but over 20 years of customer service, account management support, and data entry experience. So just to sum up this question, because I know many of you listening have probably can relate to this, you want to make some of these really high incomes, right? 
So in the case of this question, this person wants to make at least $200,000 gross salary to be able to net their goal income, which is $150,000 a year post-tax. So their question was, how can I meet this income goal within the next five years, given that while they have all of this experience, they have an associate's degree, they've kind of been stuck in these low-paying you know, fields for the last couple of years. So I'm going to give you some advice and... It may be aggressive advice, but the reality is it is very possible to be able to go from making about $50,000 to $200,000 a year in five years if you're willing to hustle for it, right? If you know my story, if you listened to the previous episode on 9 to Fly, you know that my own experience by job hopping and negotiating helps me grow my salary kind of similarly in the same way. In 2017, I made about $48,000 post-tax. And then uh, by 2023, I was making actually more than what this person's dream net income is. And here's how I was able to do it. One is developing an in-demand skill. So I would say to you, it sounds like you probably need to develop an in-demand skill by way of getting a certificate, joining a boot camp, or something related to helping you gain some technical skills that are in-demand currently. Some examples of in-demand skills that are really popular and continue to grow right now. Um, there's a whole field around AI-assisted technical skills, right? So people actually getting trained on how to use different AI tools to effectively assist in technical development. That's a whole new discipline that's continuing to explode. I think you can never go wrong with learning how to become a software engineer. Software engineers easily make over $200,000, and especially if you are someone who is willing to put in the work to learn how to code and learn some technical languages and knowledge, you can absolutely expect your career to accelerate very quickly. Product management is another in-demand skill. While there isn't necessarily an industry standard certificate for product management, if you are connected to product managers already in your network and can start to talk to them and liaise with them, you might be able to break into that career path. Uh, cybersecurity is also another very booming in-demand skill set, and there are various ways that you can get into cybersecurity or get into cloud-based, you know, technical cybersecurity roles by getting a career certificate or investing in your skills in another way. So that would be number one, is you got to pick what your in-demand skill is going to be and start a path to developing that skill. Number two is when you start to get into these roles where now you're leveraging those skills that you've been building, it's going to be really important for you to set up a strategic plan to move every at least 18 months, right? If your goal is to make 200K in five years, in order to do that, you have to move frequently. So I would say a good rule of thumb is once you get into these roles that are more aligned with those in-demand skills, set a plan where you are either getting promoted or job hopping every 18 to 24 months. That's how you're going to be able to take advantage of consistently growing your income in a short period of time. And then, of course, the last piece is about actually negotiating. Now, I have a whole episode where I get into salary negotiation. If you haven't listened to it, be sure to check that episode out. Every time you come into a new company or a new team, you have to negotiate. You have to negotiate for more money into your base pay, more cash into your overall total compensation. And if you follow all three of those things, you absolutely can go from where you are now to making the salary that you want to make. So I hope that helps. 
it definitely can be done. And I just kind of gave you a really aggressive plan of how to be able to do that. And I know this could probably apply to many people listening or watching right now, that it definitely is possible. And now is one of the probably best times ever to aggressively grow your salary uh, by leveling up and upskilling and job hopping. So I hope that helps. Well, thank you everyone so much for all of these amazing questions. Now, if you didn't get your question answered, you got to keep listening to future episodes of 9 to Fly because in every episode, I am answering your questions live. So if you haven't had a chance to submit a question to me, check out the show notes and you'll see my number to the Hottie Hotline where you can send me a text or a voice message with your question so that I can answer it on a upcoming episode of 9 to Fly. Before we head out, be sure to subscribe, follow us across social media. And if you really like this episode and you like what you're hearing from me on 9 to Fly, leave me a review. I would love to hear what you think about the podcast and how it's helping you navigate your career and get closer to the big obnoxious bag. So until next time, this has been Sunil Finance. I'll catch you on the next episode. See ya.